The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Today we have with us in studio Jake Robinson, and Jake is a financial advisor. Jake, good morning. Good morning, Scott. Glad to be here. So tell us, I guess, first, before we get into all the nuts and bolts of financials and uh, figuring out how to invest money and, and so forth, how did you go about becoming a financial advisor? What got you interested? Um, actually, I back in the day, uh, somebody gave me a book called Common Sense, and that book told you basically how to uh, how to build your financial life. I, I didn't read it at the time. I just thought, oh, okay, God gave it to me. I threw it on the shelf. And then later, I had this job where I could go out and work on the road, and they paid all my expenses, and I put about $20,000 in the bank. And I remember having this money in my bank account, and I was 24, 25. And I'm like, wow, what am I going to do with this money? And I talked to a friend of mine. They said, well, you got to call this financial advisor. And I got scared. I, I picked up the phone and started dialing them. I'm like, I don't even know what to ask this person. I don't even know what to say. And so I didn't invest that money. It's the biggest regret I ever had because if you understand the rule of 72, that $20,000 today would be worth somewhere between $800 and $1 million if I just invested it. And so later I met a guy who um, I got together with him, and he showed me how compound interest work and the rule of 72 and mutual funds, and I got jacked up. I was like, everybody I know needs to know this. Why don't, why don't they teach us in school? And so I went to work with him on a part-time basis and learned the business and then eventually went full-time and made a career out of it. And I wound up working with Roy Matlock, and some of you guys might know him, Roy Matlock Jr. He um, he started the Money Game Show with Dave Ramsey, and they were on the air in Nashville for about seven or eight years. And then eventually Roy sold his half of the business and, and got off the radio. He's back on it now, but I, I, he, he, put, he brought me in business in 1995, and I've been with him ever since. So I've had about a total of 28 years in the financial services industry, and I went from working with a broker-dealer to now I'm with a registered investment advisor, and I'm considered a fiduciary, which is a, a very high level of obligation to treat my clients with the utmost um, uh, care and, and do care and attention to their investments. You know, the subject of money is interesting because everybody has different thoughts on it. Everybody has different opinions on how you should invest your money, how you should spend your money <laughs> because it's not their money. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason. But the other side of it is the reason why money is so I don't know, fascinating is because there are so many different avenues of how you could go about investing it or using it or not using it. Yeah, well, a lot of it now, what I'm finding after being in the business so long, it's more about, it's not managing money that I do. I basically manage expectations. As you as an investor, there's a lot of psychology in what happens with money. And in fact, I was talking to Roy this morning and he said, you know, he was making an example. He said, Jake, if you had $20 million, what do you, what's your most important, what's the most important thing to you? And I said, probably I don't want to lose it. And he said, exactly right. And so he was making a point that when you, when you talk to someone that has a lot of money, 
they're not trying to make a whole lot more. Most of the time, they just want to keep what they've got and make sure that they're secure. So there's a lot of psychology that goes into working with a client. You have to almost put them on your financial couch and, and debrief them. Here in Rutherford County and, and, and communities like Rutherford County, you've got a lot of small business owners. You've got a lot of people out there who are in business for their self, which means a lot of them value every single dollar they earn a lot more so than probably somebody out there working in the corporate world. In other words, I think a lot of folks out there who are listening, they work very hard for their money and they want to make sure it is safe. Well, I have to say that most small business owners, their best investment is in their own business. That's a very smart place to put your money. But if you're successful as a small business and you start generating a huge surplus, which is what you hope to do, you hope to have more than keep more, you know, have more than you make. That's when it might make sense to get with a financial advisor and look at ways. Maybe it's not investing in the market. Maybe it's just putting it into a good, uh, you know, setting up a retirement plan for your employees. And it may not mean that you put all the money you ever make into investments, but if you help your uh, business secure your, your 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 employees' future and give them uh, something to hang their hat on, because it's it's been if you look at the numbers, uh, companies that have some type of retirement program have much more loyalty from their employees. They're not looking around as much. And so that could be an avenue. So, yes, all of those things are important, but small business owners are very, um, I think they tend to be a lot more, have more, a lot more scrutiny with what they do with their surplus dollars. So we have, to, and we, and that's who we work with mainly is small businesses and, and individuals. Again, Jake Robinson is our guest today, and he is with Terra Wealth Management. And when I'm looking around in Rutherford County, I, I've got to say, I've seen the prices, for example, of houses just skyrocket over the last few years. And for anybody who grew up in Rutherford County, they know the price of a house that used to be $150,000 in the 90s or so. Now that same house is selling for six, seven hundred, even eight hundred thousand dollars in some cases. And and that's scary, I think, for those who live here and who are from here, because that kind of tells them, you know, if you ever sold your house, you're gonna be up the creek without a paddle if you're trying to get a slightly larger house for your family because the prices have gotten so high. Well, especially with the fact that the Fed has raised their rate what, six times now, and they've got at least two more that we know of coming, and they're not going to slow down. Uh, they, they say they want to put inflation in check, but they started way late in the game to making a, a lot of difference, and so that does have an impact. When rates go up, if you're sitting in a $400,000 home and you want to upgrade to, say, a $600,000 home, and you've got a 3% interest rate on your current mortgage, even if you just went sideways and, and just said, I want to move across town and get another $400,000 home, that three, the, the, the rates are now like 5 and 6%. They would, their, their, their payments go through the roof, and they don't want to do that. And most people don't really want to give up their 3% mortgage to go with a higher, a higher interest rate and a much larger uh, payment. So uh, it is stifling the, uh, the market right now from a standpoint. Now, people that have cash, and we got a lot of people coming in from out of state, they sell a house on the West Coast, and they sell a meager, small house for a million, two, and they come over here and can buy a $600,000 house. It's twice as big. They think they've moved to Nirvana. 
<laughs> now, I remember at the start of January 2022, the rates for a home mortgage around 3% or so. And then by the end of 2022, in December, those rates were all the way up there to 6.25, I think maybe even 7% at one point towards the end of December. And that meant that a house that cost $400,000, and if you had to finance the whole thing, your mortgage payments each month were all of a sudden going to be $800 a month higher. And that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I have a, a neighbor who's a, he builds houses for a living. And I got to know him, and I said, are you doing anything now? He goes, yeah. I, got, I said, do you do spec homes or custom? I said, I do some of both. He said, what do you got going? He said, well, I got one spec, uh, custom home. I have three spec homes. And this is right after the Fed had raised the rates about three times. I said, how's your spec homes doing? He said, nothing. I'm not getting any phone calls. Nobody wants to buy in that market. Now, he did say the market he's in, the, the five to $600,000 range, is the hardest range in this market to sell to because those people are trying to move up not necessarily moving across. And people that can afford a million-dollar home, they generally have cash, and it's not as big a deal. But he said he's struggling right now. And I know you've got a specialty area that you tend to focus on, at least right now you're focused on. That's ERC, the area of ERC. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But there are other things out there that I think a lot of folks are interested in. And because the topic of real estate has been so big lately, I think that's this is definitely one of those items that a lot of people are thinking about, and that is real estate. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I've heard both sides. Is it better to, let's say, put as much down as possible on a house and have a goal of having that house paid for by, I don't know, pick any age you want to pick, and then live debt-free in that home, or is it better to finance that house? Well, Roy and Dave, Dave Ramsey and Roy Matlock, when they were on the out, that that was a constant struggle between that was their that was where their nemesis they were nemesis on that particular question because if somebody called in and said I've got a house and I've got a mortgage and I just inherited two hundred thousand dollars, should I put it towards paying off my mortgage and be debt-free, or should I invest it? Dave would always say, pay off the house. Roy's like, no, you would, you're would much better investing it. If you invest it, you got your money and your investment over here. If you ever want to pay off your house, you can just reach in there and, and, and pay your house off. Or you can take the growth of your investment and pay your mortgage payment and help it pay off over a period of time. Dave was always like, no, no, let's just pay off your house. I kind of like the second. I like to have my options. Because once you pay off a house, here's the thing. Kroger's will not take bricks and shingles to buy your groceries. And so you really have a hard time using any of that equity if you're living in it, except if maybe you do a reverse mortgage, and a lot of people are not aware of it and maybe a little shy of it, but that might be a good way for someone that has a, an elderly couple that has a lot of debt and no retirement. That's their equity in their home without having to sell it or refinance it. A reverse mortgage might be the only way. But no, I would not put a huge down payment, and I would uh, be smart about it. You're going to put some down payment. And I guess there are so many different thoughts on that subject because you've got some people who grew up, and maybe they grew up in a family that didn't have a lot. So I could see their side of wanting to have that house paid for and probably being able to sleep better at night knowing it's paid for. It's 100% theirs. At the end of the day, it is the client's uh, call on that. You know, if, if, if the psych, if, and that's where I get back to the psychology. If they cannot sleep at night and they're totally anxiety ridden, then it might make sense to pay that thing off or pay part of it down. 
and uh, give them some breathing room. So I, at the end of the day, I'm not going to try to talk somebody out of that. I'm just going to tell you what my opinion is and what I think uh, might be worth considering. And, and no matter what, it, it seems like that home is typically one of the biggest purchase items people make in their lifetime that next to cars these days because cars are so expensive today compared to 1990 1980 I, I mean there's a big difference in price yeah i am um, i'm looking at what we pay for our house and what it's worth now and it's crazy i've doubled the value of my house based on what we paid for it. to be fair i did pay under market because it was a house that was run down and I picked a special type of mortgage that would allow me to buy a rundown house, pay the other guy, and then uh, borrow enough money to, to fix that place up. It was a, called a 203K loan. And uh, that was a lifesaver for us in that particular situation. And once we had the house fixed up, it just exploded in value when, when the next time we got it appraised. Again, this morning we're talking with Jake Robinson, and he is a financial advisor. And the company you're with is uh, Terra Wealth Management. And now I want to kind of move forward to one of the items that is your specialty, and it has to do with small businesses in a major way, I'd say. Yeah, and, and although it is a, a short window, it's not something that we're, we're going to be uh, hanging our hat on for a, a long period of time. But for about the next two years, if you own a small business and you have employees, W-2 employees, there was a stimulus package that was created and it got sideways a bit in the beginning because most people uh, didn't choose this option. The uh, CARES Act came out in 2020, and it came out with two programs to help small business. And by the way, this is the first time that I think that I can remember the U.S. government ever coming out with any kind of stimulus package dedicated to small businesses. They always tend to go for the big businesses, like Amazon builds a, 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 a warehouse here. They're going to get you know 20 years of free property taxes, or Nissan. Or right now they're talking about building a new Titan Stadium, and Nashville government is looking to pay like 21 million or something towards that thing. But you and me, as a small business owner, I've never gotten those kind of tax breaks. I'm like, well, okay, what about me? When the pandemic hit, the CARES Act gave small business an opportunity to either do what's called PPP loans personal protection plans and you could borrow the money and then they eventually they forgave the loans and so that was one way to go the other way was there was something called employee retention credit if you kept employees on the books during that time frame they would pay you an amount of money and you could only choose one or the other ppp was fairly easier to do because banks were actually doing those loans for you and they were getting paid to do them and so they tended to push that. ERC, on the other hand, you had to have a 50% drawdown in your revenue or you didn't qualify. And a lot of people didn't qualify. And it was very difficult to, to, to breach that hurdle. You flash forward a year later, Congress looked at the track record and said, we're not getting any traction on ERC. They revamped the law. They made it where you could choose both. So if you already got a PPP loan, so if you if you already tuned out because you heard you, got a, you already had a PPP loan, PPP loan, and you don't think you qualify, that's not true. You could probably go back now and claim that employee retention credit. The other thing they did was raise the amount of money you could get for 2021, and they made it much easier. You don't have to qualify just on a reduction in your gross receipts, and this gets often overlooked by CPAs out there. CPAs do taxes. They don't do payroll, typically. If you ask a small business owner, 
you have a CPA? They say, yes. Do they do your payroll? No, I, I send it to ADP or paychecks or somebody like that. And so they're not necessarily specialists when it comes to the payroll side. And uh, they don't want to really get into the nitty-gritty of how employee retention credit works today. It works totally different. We can get into that if you'd like. Well, I know a lot of businesses out there, they do use a company to help them with their payroll because it's gotten so much easier to utilize a company that does payroll, and that's all they do, especially when it's online. And the employer, all they have to do is simply log on to their account and type in, all right, well, John Doe worked 10 hours last week, and this week or Monday or Tuesday, he worked five hours each of those days. We just type in the number five, and then we're done with it, you know, and they then direct deposit the money into that employee's account, and the payroll company withdraws the money out of your account. So it does make it a whole lot easier. But then, like you're saying, it leaves to question, well, who's overseeing changes that maybe came along with the government within your payroll that you didn't make? Uh, Because if the accountant's not examining your payroll or not doing your payroll, then they're not going to know if you're up to date or not. But you brought up this ERC, and, and I guess explain first, why would an accountant out there know or not know if you, your company, would qualify for these ERC credits? Well, an accountant or CPA, a bookkeeper, any of those people may be handling your taxes on a quarterly basis, and that tends to be a tax issue. And the payroll is shipped out to ADP. And I will say, those those companies are, uh, they do inform small businesses that this is uh, an avenue that they could take a look at. But for a CPA, their their business is quarterly taxes. It's not payroll. And so when the when the when the CARES Act got revised, maybe you didn't choose to read those fifty eight hundred pages of legislation that had to do with the payroll. Uh, tax refund and instead you've got your you're in your you're staying in your lane doing taxes and so if i came to a cpa as a business owner and said hey i've heard about this erc can you file it for me they will reluctantly say yes but they're going to say i just had somebody that you know small business owner here in town seven employees told me straight up he said well i asked my cpa about it he said we wouldn't benefit i said but did he go look at the numbers and so that guy would totally benefit well, I won't say totally benefit. Not every single person or business is going to qualify. But it's surely not smart not to look at it and see if you do qualify. Definitely. So make it easy for us to understand. And, again, we're talking with Jake Robinson this morning. He is a financial advisor, but we kind of changed the tune. We're talking about ERC right now. So make it easy for us to understand. If you are a small business owner, you have five, six employees, and you're income each year for all five to six employees is $200,000 total. And you've kept those five or six employees on all throughout the entire COVID pandemic. And they're still with you today. What are we looking at? I mean, what numbers do we need to look at to see if, will we qualify? Well, there's, and and what are we qualifying for? I didn't mean to interrupt there, but, and that's a good point. Um, there you may have seen advertisements for erc a company a small business can claim up to twenty six thousand dollars per employee 
if they kept their employees on, W-2 employees on during uh, 2020 and 2021. That's a maximum. Most people don't get the absolute maximum. The average, if you threw a, a dart at the, at the Yellow Pages and just picked any company to say, hey, would you please help me with my, with my ERC claim, they're going to average about $10,000 per employee. The firm that I represent, we tend to average closer to twenty. Now, let me just stop you for a second there. So when you're saying each company or the average company that you represent, they are seeing a credit of 20000 per employee. What, is, what does that yeah, let's, mean? Let's delineate. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. It's not a grant. It's not a deduction. It is a tax credit. And a tax credit is dollar for dollar. And so really, what you're, if you think about it, it's a partial refund of the payroll taxes you already paid in 2020 and 2021. It's almost like the IRS is going back in time and saying, hey, we're going to reduce the rate that we charge you for payroll tax, and we're going to give that money back to you in the form of a credit. And so um, almost anybody, any business that has less than 500 full-time employees should look at this. And I think uh, if we... If you look on, if you're going to put this on as a podcast, we may have a couple of links to some, like a Forbes article and a Bloomberg article where they go into detail on the advantages of why a small business might take this. But on the other hand, most of the time it's just because A, they don't know about it, or B, they truly believe they don't qualify for it, erroneously in most cases. Again, we're talking with Jake Robinson this morning, and uh, we, we will post this as a podcast and we'll put a few bullet points on that page on wgnsradio.com and then there we put those links that you're talking about that way people can see uh, read articles to understand more about this erc or the employee retention credit but right now we're going to take a short break and then we will come right back and hopefully maybe ask more questions to better understand what this money is that we're getting back i mean is it stimulus money basically to go back into the economy is that the purpose the government had behind it i i don't know but we'll talk more about it in just a second you're listening to wgns and our guest today jake robinson we're broadcasting from the middle tennessee electric studios middle tennessee electric supplying the good neighbor station with power near the historic downtown square middle tennessee electric your power supply since 1936 When should you take a tour of Adams Place? Well, I don't think it's ever too early. I drive by here, and I kept thinking, now that's where I think I would like to live. We're talking with Carol Johnston. And so I did take a tour, and it's a homey atmosphere. That's what I liked about it. Don't wait too long. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. You're listening to the Action Line on this Friday morning. Our guest today, Jake Robinson. He's going to tell us more about ERC and how your small business could receive a lot of money. Especially if you suffered during the pandemic and had to pay increased cost for things. We'll tell you more about that in just a second. Again, the time, 841. Our birthday cake winner today, not our birthday cake, but our... Uh, I don't know why I say birthday cake. I guess because birthdays, you know. Anyway, our Slick Pig Barbecue banana pudding winner this morning was Ronnie Henderson. Congratulations to Ronnie Henderson receiving that delicious 
banana pudding from Slick Pig Barbecue. And our good neighbor of the day, Tanya Whitmont. Tanya Whitmont nominated for always being there for her friends in a time of need. Today, Tanya receives flowers for free from Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts at 117 South Academy Street. Back to the action line in just a second. Right now, that temperature outside in downtown Murfreesboro, 46 degrees. Today's high is only going to be 55 under partly cloudy skies. Winds blowing in between 8 and 15 miles per hour today. Then for tonight, low down to 32 degrees. And winds also 8 to 15 miles per hour tonight. Partly cloudy skies this evening. Then Saturday, high of 53. And looks like partly cloudy skies tomorrow. Tomorrow evening, a 30% chance of rain. More action line in just a minute. With our guest, Jake Robinson, an accountant here in Rutherford County. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Well, good morning. You're tuned in to WGNS, and our guest again today is Jake Robinson. He is a financial advisor, and he's an advisor with Terra Wealth Management. And you live out there in the Rockville community, and I know you've lived in Smyrna before, and I don't know, I guess several different places throughout Rutherford County over the years. Murfreesboro as well, yep. So we just hadn't hit Laverne and Eagleville yet. Boy, you've really traveled. Murfreesboro, (laughs) Smyrna, Rockville, what's next? I'm way on out there now. (laughs) And again, you are a financial advisor, and before the break, we were talking about ERC, which stands for Employee Retention Credit. This was all put together under the CARES Act, and First of all, was this something that came about by the U.S. government, by elected officials, legislators who were trying to figure out new ways to re-stimulate the economy during the COVID pandemic? Uh, Absolutely. It's it's actually what it was designed for. It's basically to reward the companies who kept their doors open and allowed, um, you know, kept their employees on the payroll and kept them on board because a lot of companies some companies would furlough their employees and take, you know, there's other ways they could have collected money and there's stimulus checks that people received. But if, if you're a company, you can't afford to shut down your business for six months or two years and think you're just going to come right back online and everybody's going to come back to you. It was very important for those small businesses to try to stay alive. And this stimulus, or it was a stimulus and still is, is a way for those companies to be able to make themselves whole. I have a, my chiropractor, 
he did the PPP loans. I said, he said, man, I got a, a big chunk of money, a bit of big big check. I said, I said, I bet you was happy about that. He goes, I was for about three days. I said, why? He said, because all my bills had stacked up. I had all these past due bills and trying to keep my business open, and it was gone in three days. And so a lot of people may not realize how much it takes to keep a payroll going. And so I tip my hat to those guys who kept their doors open and pivoted, looked for different ways to make their business work. Now, looking back to that PPP money, the, the money that... What, when did that first come out? I can't remember. It was remember. the same thing. Uh, it was March of 2020 when that was approved. It was the same CARES Act. Okay, so March of 2020, the whole PPP thing comes out. People get excited. Business owners get excited thinking, this sounds great. But in the back of their head, they're saying, it sounds too good to be true. And, of course, if you got approved for this PPP, you quickly learned that the money you received from the government, that had to go directly to payroll. And there were little kickers like your payroll had to remain exactly the same. It couldn't go down X percentage. Uh, You had to use that money for things like utility bills. I mean, it was earmarked from the very start to do this, this, and this, to do X, Y, Z with it. And, and since that time, and I don't mean to be talking the whole time, but no. I, I know since the whole PPP thing occurred, we have since learned, and we've reported about it here in our own backyard, where people have been arrested since that PPP loan came out for using that money, business owners, using that money to go out and just blow it do stupid stuff with it yeah (laughs) you had folks out there buying cars not for their business you had folks buying vacations going crazy places they never went before but they were using the money however they felt like and in the end they got in trouble yeah you got to do the right thing. Um, it was kind of golden handcuffs, if you will, because if you can't say you can't change your payroll at all to get this loan, then that puts that puts some handcuffs on you on your business decisions if you think you need to do that. But again, the PPP loan was eventually uh, forgiven, so they just said you don't have to pay it back, except for those who spent yeah. wildly. Well, there's also these situations where you had huge companies that got like. 45 million in PPP loans and they kind of sucked the well dry uh, because they had good bankers that looked after their and they and I thought that was a misuse of the funds for small business it probably did help a lot of them that 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 treated it the right way now the difference between the PPP and ERC is ERC is not earmarked it is coming back to the owner of the business and they can pretty much do what they want to with that money however what we found is most business owners are smart they know what they should do. They, they either reinvest their money into the business, they expand it, buy equipment, hire more people, open a second location, et cetera, or they may invest the money in the market, which, again, is, is a way to help the economy grow and, uh, and recover. So the ERC is probably, when you look at it compared to the PPP, PPP is gone now. You can't even take advantage of it. And there are some people going to be in trouble with that. If you do ERC, you have to do it the right way. You have to qualify. You can't just say, oh, I, I automatically get this money. I want 26000 per employee. That's not how it's going to work. We have to look at each individual a quarterly statement on the payroll and see how many people you had on the payroll and how much they were paid and then how you were, how you were impacted by COVID. And there's basically two buckets that you fall in. You either fall in the bucket where your gross receipts dropped by 50% in 2020 or it dropped 30% in 2021 or you had to be shut down totally shut down 
But when they revamped the law, they said, wait a minute, that's a pretty harsh way to, to qualify. Now they have a way to qualify called nominal impact. Was there a nominal impact to one portion of your business that created an impact of 10% or more in one subset of your business? And I have a good example of this. We just enrolled a company here in town, uh, a restaurant, and I talked to him. And he gave me permission. And he said, yeah, you can talk about it. Slit Pig Barbecue. And a bunch of you folks are probably fans of, of the barbecue location. Love, love the wings. Okay. They got great wings. But here's, here's the thing about the wings. Their wings will probably help them qualify for the ERC, believe it or not. They were paying $41 a case for a case of wings. And then when uh, COVID came along, the supply chain thing went out the roof, and their cost went to over $160 for a case of wings. And they wow. told me, Jake, we had to buy them because you're, that's your favorite thing down there. You, want, you expect them. I they, love the smoked wings. And so even though their revenue actually went up during COVID because they also pivoted and they used DoorDash and they used uh, Uber Eats and those, those kind of things, they actually didn't lose business. But their profit margin suffered big time. You, you pay four times for the wings and they still have to sell them. Uh, that wasn't very good for them. So there's a, that's a nominal impact in their business. Again, Jake Robinson is with us this morning. And uh, a second ago, I didn't mean to sound so negative about PPP because I do know for a fact it helped out a lot of businesses and a lot of people. I personally know of businesses here in town who, if that PPP was not there, that money was not there, they would have had to have laid off or they would have had to have fired that file bankruptcy. There's no way they could have kept all of their employees and kept them at the same pay. So it did definitely help a lot of families out there to say the least. I mean, it helped a lot, but now going to this employee retention credit, you brought up something interesting and, and that is like you were talking about the restaurant before they were paying 40 something dollars for X amount of chicken now for that same amount of chicken uh, after the pandemic hit they were all of a sudden paying a hundred and something dollars again same amount of chicken but you don't have enough time to instantly readjust your entire menu to say we're now going to charge this for our chicken wings because customers aren't going to pay whatever that price drive up may be yeah, that's true. And there's a lot of other factors that impact a business. For them, part of it is if you're a restaurant, restaurants are really, um, they're, they're probably at the top of the food chain when it comes to qualifying for ERC. Because you had to shut down your, either shut down your dining room altogether, or maybe you had to shut it down to 50% capacity. Well, you're, you're limiting yourself to 50% of the business. That's another uh, nominal impact. Slick Pig had 50 catering jobs lined up on the calendar because you usually book those things out in advance. He said we had to cancel 50 jobs, and that's a lot of money. So there's lots of reasons why a specific business, and keep in mind, this is one of the myths that people think that I don't qualify for ERC because my revenue went up. My business actually went up during that time because you're one of those type of businesses that maybe uh, it, it was in demand. And like, uh, you know, hardware stores and people were building decks and doing home projects when they had their stimulus checks. So that doesn't necessarily hold true. That's uh, there. You can make more money and still qualify for the ERC based on looking at your individual segments of your business to see if you had a nominal impact. And it's perfectly legal as long as you follow the IRS guidelines, which we follow them right to the T. 
our company that, that processes this, we guarantee accuracy on that. We want to make sure that you have your nose clean when you make your claim. Again, Jake Robinson with us today, a financial advisor. So I got another question for you here. All right. If a company out there, whenever the pandemic hit, and let me say this first, it was during the time of the pandemic that all of a sudden it was next to impossible to find new employees because you had the government paying people, giving out paychecks, if you would. Making more money to sit on the sideline. Yeah, exactly. So it all of a sudden, in addition to it being hard to find customers because everybody was in a panic, it was all of a sudden hard to find employees. And if you found them, you couldn't pay them enough to match what the government was handing out. Exactly. So if during this time period of the pandemic, you instantly had to go from paying part-timers $8 an hour to now you're paying them 15 to $20 an hour almost overnight, does that help to qualify somebody for getting money back? If you get into the weeds and and you, because we have a CPA firm that qualifies a business, they look at all those numbers. They look at actually how much did that person make. And the more they make, the more likely it is they'll qualify for a higher reward. So it's based on how much did you make. And so if 50% is what you, if you had a drawdown of a business about 50%, that particular employee would yield about $5,000. That's the maximum they could get in 2020. And so if it's based on a 50% drawdown, they need to make at least 10000 to order to get to $5,000 maximum. If they made less than ten thousand, they're not going to get full five thousand. They're going to get something, you know, forty eight hundred. So it's a it's a sliding scale. And the more income that you paid your employees, there's more likelihood that you're going to be able to qualify for the higher level. Now in twenty twenty one, they went from paying a maximum of five thousand per employee to a maximum of twenty one thousand per employee for that year. So uh, four times as much money. So twenty twenty one is where most of the bang for your buck is going to be when you claim an ERC. Again, Jake Robinson, a financial advisor on the radio with us this morning. And now kind of going back to that first question uh, in regards to ERC, this is again under the CARES Act and it expires officially in April of 2025. But under this ERC program, if we're a small business owner and we make $100,000 or $200,000 a year, even if uh, our revenue went up during the pandemic, you're not looking at that necessarily. You're actually crawling under the business and you're trying to figure out, well, how much did you pay Sally during this time frame? How much did you pay John to work for you during this time frame? And was that amount different from pre-pandemic numbers? And I don't know, do you also look at post-pandemic numbers? Actually, the way the law works is you use 2019 as a benchmark. So when you're looking at your claim, you're going to say, what did I do in 2020? And how did it compare to 2019 payroll? Same thing for 2021. You're comparing it to 2019. So there are absolute benchmarks that you have to compare. And then there's, you know, it's all math. And it's just basically following the rules. Now, where some people might get uh, in, in, a, in, in trouble is if you choose a company that's not a legitimate company. There are scams running around out there in the ERC field, and we're not going to uh, claim otherwise. It's just that we make we go to a, 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 a couple of extremes to make sure that we do it the right way. 
we, in fact, we have a million dollars of E&O insurance, and we offer five-year audit protection for our client. And there's other companies that do that. So if you do it, I don't, you know, if you go with a different company, just make sure that they have those kind of uh, uh, safety features in place. You don't want to go with somebody that's going to guarantee you're going to get the maximum. That is a red flag right there right off the bat, Scott. And most people know uh, that if it's too good to be true, but this, it does sound too good to be true that, you're sitting here tooling along one day, and Scott Walker happens to say, hey, by the way, did you guys get impacted by COVID? Yeah, our, our, uh, our business actually went up, but we had to make a bunch of different changes. And then they find out they're going to get $300,000 back or $500,000 back. That does sound too good to be true, but it is what the law is. And we, if you follow the law, you're going to get rewarded for keeping your employees on. And as a, a small business owner, I'll tell you this, Scott, I felt – I've never wanted a handout. I, you know, I'm I'm a, a self-starter, self-reliant. I want to do. You know, I don't need you to help me. Just please get out of my way and let me work. Never been a big fan of government handouts. I want I want business owners to understand that this is not a handout. This is a partial refund of your payroll taxes, and this is going to people who know what to do with the money. My personal goal is if my team in the Rutherford County area, if we could be responsible for a hundred million dollars coming back through ERC to our local businesses. That would be awesome. That might sound like a huge goal. It's only 5,000 employees. If I can find out if there's a company over here that has 250 employees and this one over here has 11, when we pile it all together, $100 million coming back into Rutherford County. What would that look like to Rutherford County if that happened, if it comes back in the hands of small businesses? Again, Jake Robinson with us today, a financial advisor. I know we're almost out of time already, but I want to go back to something real quick here. PPP, which stands for Payroll Protection Program. If somebody, if the business took that money during the whole pandemic and they kept all their employees on because of that payroll protection program and they were able to continue paying them as if everything were okay, and you said they still qualify to possibly get some of this ERC money. I'm curious about that and how much could they actually stand to get back if they did participate in that PPP round? Well, the IRS says that if you got the PPP loans, you have to include that in your ERC claim. And you cannot claim the money you're getting on ERC based on the actual money you based your PPP claim on as well. So there are other funds or there's funds available through ERC if you have PPP. It's probably going to reduce the amount you would normally get if you didn't have the PPP, but it's still worth looking at because it is still a positive net outcome if you qualify. So we're going to look at that and that, that's just part of the mathematical equation. It's going to reduce it, but it doesn't mean you're not going to qualify. I think the majority of small business owners would be very pleased if they could get ten, twenty thousand dollars back because I know, you know, all of us spent a whole lot more money throughout the pandemic for not only services that we were already getting, but for things like paper towels, things for like toilet paper. <laughs> I, I mean, everything was more expensive during the COVID pandemic. And the problem is a lot of these increased prices have remained increased. A lot of those who started getting $12, $14, $15, $16 an hour during the pandemic, they're still getting that amount of money. And if they don't, you're going to see them join the great resignation. Lots of people just decided they're not going to go back to work. I don't know how they do it. That's one of the reasons it's hard to find employees uh, to get that done. But yes. So if somebody out there listening 
a small business owner, if, if they want to find out if they could qualify for this employee retention credit through the government, this ERC, which again ends in April of 2025, can they get a hold of you? And, and do you have a list of questions you can ask them right off the bat so that you can know if it's even going to be worth their time sure. to try to move forward or not move forward? Well, there's a couple of variables we didn't talk about. But if you are if you own a business that has less than 500 full-time employees, you most likely qualify. However, if you also own other businesses, we have to look at all of that and pile them all together. So if you've got 200 employees at this, re- at this uh, uh, company, but you own another company over here that has 600 employees, they're going to look at and put it together and say, sorry, you're over 500. Or if you're 300 and 200, you're right there at the level. We have to look at the, what's called aggregation rules. Or you may have a partnership, and your partner may also own another business that you're not part of. But they still have to look at that common ownership and make sure that those aggregation rules work. But what we are seeing is that the average claim for us is about $440,000. Wow. And, I mean, it doesn't take very, I mean, think about 10 employees, and if you average $20,000 per employee, that's 200000 right there. And it just goes up from there if you've got more employees. You know, I don't think most small business owners really think about how much, I know they think about how much they pay their employees, <laughs> yeah. but what I'm getting at is I, I don't think a lot of them realize at the end of the year, you know, wow, I, I pay this man who has a family of four a total of $100,000. Over the last year, I paid I paid this woman one hundred and ten thousand dollars over the last 12 months. I, these small business owners out there who are indeed paying amounts like that each year. First of all, our hats off to that. They're really helping out the community. They're helping out families. Well, that's where you look at the end of the day. You say, how can they afford to, to give an ERC? Well, they probably paid millions into it over that same time frame. I will be remiss if I don't mention this. This is not just for small businesses. If you're a church, if you're a nonprofit, if you're a private school, any organization that has W-2 employees, if you belong to a big church and you guys hire, you have ten, five or 10 or 15 employees, think about the money that can come back to the church and do good things at the church. So it's not just limited to business. It's any organization except for government. That's the one organization that can't claim on the ERC. But there's a lot of businesses out there, even if they accepted the PPP, the Payroll Protection Program funds, they may be indeed eligible. They should, they should look. If you look at those articles from Forbes and uh, Bloomberg that we'll have on the website, they will talk to you specifically. Yes, do not overlook it. Do, that's the biggest reason why people don't think they get it, because initially they couldn't get both and now they can and nobody told them otherwise and you're not reading the updates from the IRS uh, you know each year so we encourage you to go to our website wgnsradio.com and then under the podcast section click action line and then there you will see today's show and you'll be able to go back and listen to it if you want to or you can get all the highlights and all the different links so that you can learn more about ERC which is the employee retention credit Again, our guest today, Jake Robinson. He is a financial advisor here in our community. And if anybody wants to ask you, hey, where can I go to get help for this or help for that? When it comes to finances and their financial security, can they call you? They can call me. uh, I'll give you my cell number, 615-796-9958. 
you can email me at jake at Terra Wealth. I think we'll probably have that on the website or reach me through social media or call Scott. He can track me down. <laughs> I, I, I'll find you somehow uh, or another. But Scott, I want to thank you for having me on. I enjoyed speaking about all these different things. Maybe we can come back and do this again at some point. Yeah, definitely so. Again, Jake Robinson with us, a local financial advisor. And if you have any more questions about it, if you want to find the link so you can learn more about ERC, again, go to our website, WGNSRadio.com. We'll post more information about it there. We're broadcasting today from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric, your power supply since 1936. 